We are Grace Church International, a spirit-filled, multicultural, worshiping community. One church in two locations. Today's message is preached by Bishop Jonathan Alvarado. We pray that it reaches you no matter where you are and equips you to be a more developed Christian disciple. that we have, I pray that you strengthen your servant, that you be unto us both wisdom and strength, to grant your servant utterance that I might speak forth the truth and give your people ears to hear what the Spirit would say to the church today. Through Christ our Lord we pray, amen, amen and amen. You may retire your station momentarily. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm Bishop Jonathan Alvarado and you are viewing Grace Church International's live stream on this Lord's Day morning. We're so excited to have you with us. We're we're blessed of the Lord and highly favored to know that you are on this live stream with us and that the Spirit of the Lord is moving in this house and moving in your life. We've already served Eucharist in our Clayton location to the waiting congregation there, came through to either receive on the premises or to collect it and take it home to be with their families as they are now on the live stream with us as well as the drive through Eucharist here at the headquarters location. So we're grateful to the Lord for this opportunity of service. We've been serving all morning. I'm going to minister this homily unto you on today and uh, they're becoming increasingly difficult for me to do, but I'm going to do it as the Lord gives me strength and gives me grace and utterance on today. I want to encourage you to make sure that you support the ministry through tithes and offerings. I'm grateful. Y'all say it real loud so they can hear you. I'm grateful that every member of Grace Church International is a a tither and beyond tithing, growing to become lavish givers in the house of the Lord. I want to encourage you to give, uh, even right now, while we're making ready to minister this homily, while we're making ready to come to the table of the Lord. I'll give you a chance to give your Episcopal support while we're singing, I know it was the blood, but right now I want you to present your tithe to the Lord. I want you to join me in giving on today. I've given, I've given electronically. You can do so by way of Cash App. You can do so by way of PayPal. You can do so by way of Givelify. You can do so by, by way of our website. And I want to encourage you to find one of those fast, secure, and convenient mediums by which you can give in the house of the Lord and do so. And at the conclusion of the ministry of the word and the table, we'll receive the Episcopal support and uh, and prayerfully every one of you will participate fully in the morning's offerings and giving unto the Lord on today in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. The scripture's already been read in your hearing from 1 John chapter number 3, verses 1 through 3. I want to just admonish you and encourage you from all of these notes I have on my paper real fast in Jesus' name. I might have to come back and preach this out fully. But I want to talk today from this thought. The text that stands out from the outset of the text. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us. I want to take this moment and... and, and, and uh, Oftentimes in this text when we read it, we hasten to the part that says, you know, we're children of God and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. We always rush to the part about our our own uh, uh, breaking out of our current existence and becoming. But the, the revelation of who we're becoming is facilitated and catalyzed by love. The text opens by saying, behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us. 
I want to take the next few moments, Jim, for the purposes of our live stream and entitling things for YouTube and for Twitter and for Periscope and everywhere else where we're broadcasting on Facebook and the like. I want to talk about uh, from this thought, revealed by love. Revealed by love. First John is one of uh, the uh, part of the, the, the body of literature, uh, of the Johannine literature. Uh, and so when you read that text, you get a be uh, begin to get an insight as to the Apostle John's fervor and desire to instruct the Johannine community in the ways of God by the leadership of the Spirit. So this letter is sent to form people in the love of God and for the purposes of God's work in the earth. The impetus for uh, John's admonition in 1 John chapter 3, verses 1 through 3 the impetus for this spiritual becoming is God's love. We are being revealed to the world, revealed to our families, revealed even unto self. There's self-revelation taking place. And the impetus for that is the love of God. Michelle Obama's best-selling book of similar title chronicles her journey into self-awareness. She opens up the book by articulating the sound of striving as the soundtrack of her life. If you haven't read the book, you ought to. She opens it up by saying that her family, when she was growing up in the south, on the south side of Chicago, uh, rented an apartment on the top of a, a flat in Chicago, as often they do, from her great aunt, Ruby, who was the choir director at the church and the neighborhood piano teacher. And Minister Freddie, while those children were trying to learn piano, uh, Minister Jason, Michelle Obama describes that as the sound of striving. That they were, it seemed like they were in a fight with the piano. They were trying to get it right, you know. And, and, and this was, she says, the soundtrack to her life. I thought it was a great observation and maybe even perhaps a theological observation in that is not the Christian life, the revelation and becoming of the Christian life, isn't it soundtracked by striving, attempts and failures, trying to get them scales right, them chords right, trying to learn that one piece, getting Fury Lease right. Everybody tried to learn Fury Lease. The truth of the matter is the soundtrack of all of our Christian life, like Michelle Obama's, was the sound of striving. But the difference in our lives, as is relayed in the text, that our striving to become is soundtracked by the love of God calling us back to a place of rightness before him as we learn the notes, the rudiments, the keys, the scales, the pedagogy of the instrumentation of our very lives and existence. The more closely you and I are aligned with Christ, the less recognizable we become to the world. For the text says, because we're called the children of God, therefore the world knows us not. Why? Because it knew him not. I want you to get this. I'm, all, I'm in my introduction now. The, the more closely we are aligned with Christ, the more, the less recognizable we become to the world, to the systems of the world, and to the cosmos. 
I'm moving fast, but I, I don't want you to miss out on this point that I'm making at this moment. And that is, um, I'm concerned about a church that wants to be incognito to the world. The text says, because we are the children of God, the world won't recognize us. I'm concerned about a church that is always trying to make itself recognizable to the world. I'm concerned about the, the Bible, your Bible, we read it today. Uh, the, the Bible says that because we are the children of God, the world knows us not because the world didn't know him. But we seem to be in an era where the church is working overtime to make ourselves recognizable to the world. It seems to me to belie the Christian life that when the world knows us so intimately and so well, when the world can predict who we, what we're going to do, how we're going to behave, and catalog who we are because we are trying to be like them. So we scoff at the garments that have been sanctified for worship because we say it's not relevant. I'd like to suggest to you today that uh, I'm just about sick and tired of pastors and preachers and men and women of God looking like pimps and rappers and pole dancers on Sunday morning. The world knows us not. They aren't supposed to understand why I wear a chain and a collar. They're not supposed to understand why you come in in a robe only on first Sundays. Don't trip. Y'all act like every, every Sunday you got to have a particular uniform on and you don't. People be asking me, why don't we have dress down? Say every Sunday except first Sunday is dress down Sunday in our church. If I, if I gave a special Sunday for dress down the way some of y'all dress regular, y'all come in here in a thong and a bikini. Y'all don't know how to dress right, know how. Because we work too hard to be recognized by the world when the book says the world doesn't, will not recognize us because we are his. Where was I for y'all interrupted me? I'm trying to move fast. Oh. What the world often, uh, listen to me carefully, what the world cannot classify, the world cannot claim. I'll take more time and another date. I'll preach this on the road somewhere. Uh, uh, what the world cannot classify, listen, the world can't claim. Listen to me carefully. Some of us are so busy politicking and shaking hands and kissing babies and trying to fit in in certain places and trying to make your boss like you or the people on your job or these circles of friends, trying to get them all to like you and accept you and understand you. But see, what you, what you don't realize is the moment they classify you, they can claim you. I like being, I like being a little uh, indescript to the world because they can't classify me, therefore they can't claim me. Our identity is settled and our status in him is secure when the text says, therefore the world knows us not because it doesn't know him. Uh, this, this settles our identity, not in the world, but in him. It secures us as the people of God. 
I don't know about anybody else, but I would forsake popularity to be named of God. I would forsake being a part of the broader culture to be named by Christ. I would rather be known by God than to be known by the world. Alignment with Christ oftentimes produces a recognition Oh, wait a minute. Hold on. I skipped over a thing that will set that up. Sorry. The text indicates that the world wouldn't recognize us, not the inverse. Therefore, alignment with Christ produces recognition of circumstances, motives, and systems. Notice what the text says. The text says, Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed on us, that we should be called the children of God. Therefore, the world does not know us because it did not know him. It doesn't say that we won't know the world. It says the world won't know us. Y'all missed. Y'all probably shouting at home, but they're not shouting in the, in the sanctuary. I, I don't want y'all to miss this important point. Being in Christ makes us unrecognizable to the world, but it doesn't mean that we don't have the discernment and the recognition of what's going on around us. As a matter of fact, the less they know who we are, the more we get an insight into who they are. The more obscure we become to the world, the more acute we become at discerning what's going on in the world. I want to help you understand something. The more acclimated we are to the world, the less sensitive we are to what's going on in the world. The more beholden we are to worldly practices, worldly principles, worldly systems, the less we are acutely attuned to what's going on around us. Stay with me now. Oftentimes, a test of our proximity to Christ is our keen discernment of spiritual forces at work. Let me see if I can say that in a way that may be a little more understandable. I admit I was waxing more theological in writing my notes this morning, but the truth of the matter is I'm, I'm, I'm no longer apologizing for being a pastoral theologian because some of y'all have been sucking on pablum long enough and you need some strong meat in your diet so that way you can grow up in him in all things. I want you to hear me when I say it. Oftentimes, a test of our proximity to Christ is our keen discernment of spiritual forces at work. In other words, when you're going through challenges and difficulties and hardships, one of the ways that we know that you are growing closer to Christ is because you categorize things the right way. You're able to discern what's going on around you and be able to say, you know what, I've seen this before, this too shall pass. To be able to categorize it the right way. Are you listening to me? It's an important consideration because people that languish in a, in a perpetual state of not being able to discern what's going on around them let, let us know that they are, their proximity to Christ is very distant. They are not close to Christ because the closer we grow to Christ, the more acutely aware we become of what's going on in the world around us. We're able to see and to discern What's happening? It seems from the text that when he says that we're being named by Christ and the world doesn't know us, that the text does not say that we will not know the world. My, my theological proposition to you is the closer we grow to Christ, the more we're able to discern what's going on around us. Y'all missed a good place to say amen because what you need when you go back to work is discernment. What you need when you're dealing with in the marketplace is discernment. What you need in trying to pray for your children is discernment to know what to pray for and how to pray for it. And sometimes you don't have evidence, but when you have discernment, God will show you. Y'all don't like this kind of preaching. When you have spiritual discernment, God will show you what evidence can't even produce. 
And that is a result of proximity to Christ. Some of us are so interested in being like the world, we distance ourselves from Christ and lose the acute discernment that is going to require for us to survive in this society, in this age. Therefore, the world knows us not because it knew him not. Beloved, verse 2 says, now are we the children of God. Somebody say, we are the children of God right now. You see, precious dears, my, my, uh, this next thing I want to say to you about the text is the love of God that we talked about earlier, this being revealed, we're being revealed by love. The love of God situates us in hope. Beloved, now are we the children of God and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. The love of God situates us in hope. I'll read it again. Beloved, now are we the children of God and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. Somebody holler it out. Type it in the live stream. I'm situated in hope. Yeah, yeah. The, the love of God situates us in hope. What do you mean, Bishop? I mean, when you and I finally come to the recognition that no matter what's going on in our lives, on our jobs, with our families, with our health, with our circumstances, no matter what's going on, we come to this resolve that God loves us. When we recognize that, the love of God then situates us in a position that no matter what's going on, I have hope for the future by reason of the knowledge of the love that he has for me. I mean, because I know he loves me, it's got to work out. <laughs> because I know he loves me, it's going to work together for good. Because I know he loves me, it, it, you know, things always work out in the end, which means if it hasn't worked out yet, it's not the end. I wish you'd encourage somebody and tell them, I'm situated in hope because he loves me. I know he loves me, and it gives me hope no matter what my circumstances the love of God situates me in hope. I got to move fast now. now the, 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 at present then, here's the dichotomy in the text, Minister Zara. You got to wrestle with this in your private time. Here you got to wrestle with this. He says, he says in the text that we just read, he says, behold, now are we the children of God. Somebody say, now. Now are we the children of God. And in addition to being that now, it has not yet been revealed what we shall. I just thought you said we were the children of God. Now how are we going to be the children of God now and not be revealed? How are we going to live in the tension of being revealed at one degree but not fully revealed to, at another? How are we going to manage this liminal space, Minister Pete, of being between uh, where we are and where we're going to be and still finding identity in that place? Oh God, I'm trying to preach to somebody because some of y'all have lost hope because you don't realize that even though you're not where you're going to be, it doesn't mean that you are not where you're supposed to be right now. It just because you haven't fully realized all that God has for you doesn't mean that God isn't working with you, that he's not on your side, that he's abandoned you or forsaken you. No, 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 no. I just am where I am and I is who I is right here and right now and I live in the eschatological hope that one day I'll be where he wants me to be. I dare you to encourage three people around you and tell them that's why I don't let nobody talk me down for being where I am that's why I don't let nobody look down their nose at me for being where I am I am where I am but I'm situated in the hope that I, it has not yet been revealed what I shall be it's a proleptic hope at present we are the children of God but there is more 
At present, we are the children of God, but there's greater. At present, we are the children of God, but God has better, bigger, higher, more elevated, greater, expansive life for each and every. I wish I had 12 people that would get happy on the live stream or in the sanctuary and tell God, thank you that there is more. There is, I dare you to jump up and prophesy to two people around you and tell them there's more, more, more for your life. There's more, more, more for your life. I don't know who I'm prophesying to now. I don't know who came on the live stream and needs to hear it. We used to say it back in the the 90s and the early 2000s. Bishop Larry Darnell Trotter was the first one to introduce it to us. But I dare you to pick up those prophetic words and say to somebody around you, I see you in the future and things look a whole lot better than they look right now. Tell somebody around you, I see you in the future. Y'all didn't say it like I said it. Say, I see you in the future. Come on, just one more time. Look at him real good and say, I see you in the future. And things look a whole lot better than they look right now. I don't mean to be selfish, but touch yourself on your breast and tell that neighbor, say, neighbor, I see myself in my future. And things look a whole lot better than they look right now. Say yeah, say yeah, say yeah. Clap your hands and give him praise for a better future. It's, it's the eschatological hope. It's the eschatological hope in which we dwell. He says, beloved, now we are the children of God. And in addition to that good news, it doth not yet appear what we shall be. I'm, I'm good right now because I'm a child of God. <laughs> and on top of that, it doesn't yet appear what, what kind of kid I'm going to be, what status I'm going to have, where I'm going to end up. But look at the text. Look at the text. It doth not yet appear what we shall be. Our identity is settled and our status in him is secure. However... What we are to become has not yet been revealed. I take courage in this text, Deacon Anthony, because it suggests to me when I think about that, that there's a, there's, when he says, it doth not yet appear. Some translations say it has not yet been revealed. That word revealed in the language of the day, in the Koine Greek language, is the word apocalypso. It literally means it hasn't been unveiled yet. And see, in my prophetic imagination, uh, uh, you, you know, painters, artists, and sculptors, they keep masterpieces veiled before they can reveal. Y'all don't like my preaching this morning. Before it can be revealed because it's being worked on. It's being fixed. It's being invented right now. Uh, there is no paradigm for what God's going to do in your life. There is no prototype for what God's about to do in your life. It's about to be a masterpiece of unprecedented proportion with which there is no comparative analysis because what God's doing in you is so unique and so fresh and so great that eye hath not seen and ear hath not heard, neither hath it entered into the heart of man the things that God is working on behind the curtains. He's behind the scenes working on the masterpiece that is your life. Somebody glorify him for what's going on behind the curtain. It doth not yet. It doth not yet. It doth not yet appear what we shall be. But 
when he shall appear. Play softly unto me. All my band singers, come on quickly, I'm done. When, when he shall appear. Put it, in, put, it in, put it in the live stream. That is that anticipatory proleptic statement. When he shall appear. Put an ellipsis behind it. Dot, dot, dot. When he shall appear. Put an ellipsis behind it. Dot, dot, dot. If you say it out of your mouth, you'll feel the anointing. It'll quicken you. When he shall appear. My finances are going to get better. When he shall appear. My health is spring forth speedily. When he shall appear. My marriage is getting going to be right. When he shall appear. My child is going to get on the street when he shall appear the promotions coming when he shall appear the approvals coming from my home law when he shall appear the settlements going my way when he shall appear I'm opening up the tea room when he shall appear it's just a matter of timing when he shall appear text says it's just a matter of timing our status is settled we are in him our future is secure. We shall be like him. The promise has been made when he shall appear. That means it's a certainty. Wherever you are, whatever station of life you find yourself, he's coming right to that place. When he shall appear, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. Our confidence is in that eschatological promise. We are confident that he shall appear. We are confident that not only he's going to appear, but we shall be like him. And we're confident, the, the text says, that we're going to be like him for this reason, because we'll be able to see him as he is. Our third confidence is not only that he shall appear and that we shall be like him, but that we'll have a new revelation of who he is will see him as he is in beauty and in glory, in splendor, in sacrifice. This is not an apocalyptic promise. And when I use apocalyptic in this way, I mean an end of times promise. No, this is a promise of ontological and evolutionary certainty. It's an eschatological promise. The eschaton is the inbreaking of God's kingdom. It's oftentimes associated with the second coming. But as people of the Spirit, we recognize the Holy Ghost breaks in on us whenever she wants to. It's an eschatological moment. We're not talking about the end of times when he shall appear. This means whenever Jesus steps into our scene, it's an eschatological inbreaking of the power of God's Spirit. The table is the living manifestation of all times, eons, seasons, and dispensations converging into this moment at 1238 in the afternoon, come Pastor Tony, on Sunday, November 1st. He, Jesus said, as often as you do this, you show forth my death and suffering. In that one phrase, until I come again, in that one phrase, he says, as often as you do, that's present tense, as often as we engage in this supper, we rehearse, we show forth his death and suffering. That's a look back. Until he comes again. That's a look forward. In one phrase, he encapsulates all of history, 
all of the future and the present in one singular act at the table of the Lord. Dare I say that there's no other Christian act that brings all of our past, all of our present, and all of our future into one eschatological moment wherein we are coming forth being revealed by love for greater love hath no man than this than he lay down his life for his friends. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that you and I should be called the children of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the children of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. If this message has blessed you, Join us as we seek to change lives by reaching and equipping people through the gospel of Jesus Christ. You can find us on Facebook at Grace Church International, on Instagram at Grace Church INTL ATL, or on our website at www.gracechurchintl.org. If you would like to partner with us in our mission, you can donate on PayPal at www.paypal.me slash gracechurchintl on Cash App at dollar sign gracechurchintl or on our website at www.gracechurchintlatl.org slash giving. Now go in grace and the grace of God go with you.